Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 943, air date April 30th, 2021. Second. Um, uh, good morning, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure. It's around 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on April 30th. So we have a big event coming up in Massachusetts, which the Truth, Freedom, Health Movement is leading. Uh, it's a May 1st rally at the Boston State House, but we're going to be uh, talking about uh, with Wilhelm from, uh, they have a big activist group growing uh, in uh, Holland, which is also around the same principles of truth and freedom and health. So we're going to uh, talk about that. William is going to um, introduce themselves. Go ahead, um, William. Wilhelm, should I call you Wilhelm or Wil William? Both is fine. Willem, Wilhelm, William. Okay. The same name. Okay, go ahead. Uh, welcome, Dr. Shiva. We're both broadcasting this to our own audiences. Um, yeah, so I am uh, one of the spokespeople or spokesperson uh, for Virus Truth. This is a... Dr. Shiva. How are you? Uh, Good. We invited you uh, specifically uh, for a few reasons. Of course, you are uh, a, a very learned man. You have uh, a very keen understanding of uh, the systems behind uh, what you uh, perceive. Um, but also because you fight uh, a court case about election fraud. And that's something that we do in Holland as well. Um, and on top of that, you originated from India, uh, one of my favorite countries. So if you're okay with that, then uh, we would like to have your scoop about what it was growing up in India. And if you have um, still some context there that can give you the up-to-date uh, information on, on what's really happening in India at the moment. Sure. Well, it's great to uh, do this. We have people joining us. Typically, I don't do these until later in the evening, but it's good to be here. So I think to everyone listening, we're going to have a conversation about, I think, the intersection of, uh, you know, how elections are operated, because in my view, there's a direct connection between that and the issues of um, medical freedom, and then also the issues of where science is headed. Um, when we put forward the slogan, well, um, you know, truth, freedom, and health, it was not just, it's not a slogan, but as you and I shared before we were talking, it's founded on a fundamental uh, aspect of universal laws, where if you look at the movement of information, matter, and energy, that's where freedom fits in. in. In science, we call that transport. And if you look at without movement, which is freedom, you can't really explore the scientific method, uh, which demands debate and uh, open discourse. And so you can't practice a scientific method to convert things to find out what's true or not, which is truth. And without truth, and um, the freedom, you don't have the basis to get to understanding what is really healthy, be it for the infrastructure of a country or the individual, or for that matter, anything, or economic health. And without health, which is almost the sustaining part, the structural and the, and the thing that sustains anyone, you can't really fight for freedom or truth. So we're in a very interesting situation because all those three things are being compromised 
um, globally. I don't know what the stats are in Holland. It'd be interesting to know. I know in the United States right now, uh, the interesting thing we have, the, av the average person uh, is expected to live less, this generation, less than their parents' generation. So this is an interesting Correct. reality. You have um, the fact that three major companies essentially control the flow of most of information. Interesting enough, I just, a friend of mine just told me the statistics, 99% of the images, all photographs, all images in the world are stored on Facebook, 99%. So only That's one, amazing. yeah. So one only 1% per, of all the images in the world are in your photo albums or et cetera, but 99%, which means the incredible amount of information um, that's being held by one organization in a centralized model. Right. And you can imagine what you can do, do with that. Yeah, that. That brings us directly to what is behind this all. Uh, and, and that uh, looks to be artificial intelligence. And, and that's why it's so interesting to talk about systems um, instead of people. Um, we can point out the obvious or not so obvious uh, people that usurp power, that misuse their position or their influence, that enrich themselves um, at the expense of others. Um, but I see it as, a, as an information system which is now um, thoroughly interconnected through our information infrastructure. And the people that play the game the best benefit the most. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, in that sense, because it's so interconnected, you could almost say that it's, uh, it's a zero sum. If I play it very well and I win, that must mean that other players on this information network are uh, less fortunate. Yeah. Uh, I, th I, think that, I think one of the most important things to understand is this. Look. Starting in 1970, um, 19, in my view, the 1970s worldwide were really the turning point of where power was consolidated. Between the 1920s to 1970, if you look globally and even into the late 1800s, uh, the movement of working people was taking place independently. There were mass movements, decentralized occurring bottoms up, independent of the left or the right, independent of the Kennedys, independent of Obama's independent of Republican, Democrat, Labor Party, people were rising up globally. Uh, it was a decentralized movement. Um, in India, in the 1920s, you know, people wanted to kick out the British in the 1900s. If you look at what's going on um, with the movements in Russia, um, anti-colonialist movements, right, all over globally. And those movements had a profound effect on uh, winning freedom. So if you look in the United States in the 1920s, one of the important things to understand is that movement uh, is how roads started getting built, how um, sanitation came, how we got vitamin A, nutrition, elimination of child labor. It was mass militant. Militant is a very important word to use. People don't want to use that word. But these weren't like new age, namby-pamby diplomatic movements. People were upset. It was bottoms up. In the United States in the late 18, in 1886, four workers were hanged for leading um, uh, a movement for the eight-hour workday. In commemoration of those workers, globally, be it the workers in Holland, be it the workers in India, be it the workers in Europe, everywhere, commemorated that day as International Workers' Day, which is May 1st. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. May 1st is not owned by Karl Marx or the communists, or the socialists for that matter, or anyone. It is a, a day that was honoring those four workers who were hanged. And after they were hanged, um, two years later, the governor said it was one of the most biggest travesties of justice. 
that that occurred in the United States, but in the United States, given the active uh, work that's been done by the establishment, um, average American, 99% of Americans do not know that May Day started in the United States. It was in commemoration of workers. So it's been the concept of working people uniting. And when you use the word workers unite or working people unite, what happened because of that explosive growth of that movement in the 1920s and 30s, which is how most of the gains came, the elites globally, starting in the 50s and 70s, branded any time you use the word working people unite or workers unite as a communist word, okay? And that was done by the right wing to brand everything of that as Marxist, communist, whatever, right? Social. So the left wing used that opportunity. So globally, working people before had vibrant trade unions, bottoms up. And because of that propaganda, the left, the so-called left, uh, what they did was they rebranded that to say, come to us, and they created top-down unions. So the top-down unions did nothing for working people. What they fundamentally did was they controlled workers' movements, top-down. So by 1970, 1975, those movements negotiated with the elites, left and right, obvious and not so obvious, to make sure that they control those movements. So if you look in the United States, it'd be interesting to look in Holland between 1940 to 1975. If you look at the numbers, close to about 100 to 150 million workers participated in strikes. And during that period was when the American economy grew for all people, everyone grew, all incomes grew. Starting in 1975 onwards, the so-called unions of the left in collaboration with the right made sure that no strikes took place. So actual vibrant participation stopped. And between 1975 to today, maybe there's been 2 million people who participated in strikes, 50 times less. Just think about that. So this it's was quite similar to, to the situation in Holland. I think it was a little bit later here. If you look at uh, Reaganism, or that, that is really the transition from where uh, people had something to say in, in their government to the technocratic, uh, some people call it uh, neoliberal, then neoconservative, I call it uh, neo-communistic corporatism. Um, you saw a shift from the ideological, and what, what we in Holland are famous for is one is the polder, so that's the, that's the, the dry land between the dikes, and it became a polder model because with all the factions, we constantly had to negotiate so every church had its own political party, every denomination. And in the 80s, we saw a merging of first those Christian uh, parties and then a merger of the liberal parties. And now we talk about the, the party cartel. We have maybe 17 parties, but the six parties that are in power are actually the same party. And that is... Uh, so it's quite similar to, to the political and economic situation in the United States. Maybe it happened a little bit later, but if you look at Clinton, we had Koch, and in the, the UK you had Blair. These were the exact same kind of politicians that, uh, that brought left and right together and started their uh, technocratic, uh, technocratic policies. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that... that so. So, so well, um, I think the one of the most important things to understand is that um, 
the establishment is very clever. If you look at that arc that I shared between early 1900s to today, they knew starting, they never wanted what occurred in the 1920s to ever take place again, which means working people uniting, decentralized, independent of political parties. So these political parties became essentially industries. So, and the industrialization of this was quite clever. The industrialization was you had the obvious wings of both of those parties. So in, right, the, in the United States, the Clintons and the, let's say the McConnells or the Romneys, right? So that was easy. Um, in India, you have the Congress and the BG, BJP. In, in, in Britain, you have, you know, the Tories and the Labour Party, right? So they, these, and so these are the obvious fighters, right, from a gamesmanship standpoint. But the most important thing, and this is probably the hardest thing for most people to get, and the reason we're in this situation today, the reason we're under fascism, it's not socialism, I call it just fascism. The reason we're under fascism is because of failure, uh, not because of the failure, but it was the strength of the establishment in using something called the not so obvious establishment wings of their own parties. So the left, you know, had the Bernie Sanders, the AOCs, yeah. you know, I'm sure you have the same, yeah. right? So it's not the obvious Clintons and Obamas and the Bidens of the left, right? It's the not so obvious, the people who talk the good game, still playing the game, they will in fact bark at that shoulder of their, the left opposition. Bernie Sanders will say something or AOC, but they are part of the, entertainment to keep people connected to this game. And on the right in the United States, we've seen Trump come out like that. Um, on, on the left, on the medical freedom movement, as we talked about radar, you have a guy like Robert F. Kennedy. He watches where if there's a million people in Europe, he'll call them up. Oh, can I come talk there? So people think that Kennedy's, Robert Kennedy's some fighter. He's, a, I mean, I'll play you the video. He clearly says, I am pro injections. I am emphatically pro them. But People get so enamored and brainwashed, they keep inviting these people to think they're their fighters. So the most important thing is working people need to understand that a billionaire like Trump is not going to solve it for you, right? A person who never worked in his life like Bernie Sanders is not going to do it. The Kennedys who have a billion dollar trust fund, why are they asking you to fly them out there to your events? And people need to get their brains really clear. It is going to be a movement bottoms up that interconnects truth, freedom, and health. And we should stop inviting these people to our movements. We should expose them because the reason we're in this condition is not because of the obvious establishment. That's easy. It's the not so obvious establishment that has done this. So it's, it's an extremely important aspect from a scientific perspective, right? Uh, if you're going from San Diego to Boston, you're flying from a control system standpoint, yeah, you're gonna have obvious disturbances, right? but it's the not so obvious things that typically crash an airplane, all right? It's the things people do not consider. You know, do you have trained pilots, right? Do you have pilots who know how to fly there? You know, there's all these other circumstances, what we call, but the biggest disturbance to movement since the 1950s is the not so obvious establishment. You talked about India. Gandhi is not a fighter for the people, okay? He sold out the entire Indian working people in the 1920s who were rising up, bottoms up, they wanted a good revolution. He came there, they put him in a white robe with spe spectacles, and he was, in many ways, supported by the British, supported by the Indian elite, and he basically never got India independence. It was never called the Declaration of Independence in 1947. 
It is called actually the transfer of power. That's what it's called. Transfer of power from white men with crowns to brown men with white hats. That's what took place in India. In the United States, if you follow that all the way through, you had a guy called Martin Luther King. Well, the Kennedys, Bobby Kennedy, the, the father, chose him. There was a bottoms up movement rising, people like Malcolm X, true leaders of the people. The establishment could not have a bottoms up movement. So they watch which way movements are going and they find the not so they, you know, the march on Washington, I have a dream, build statues for Martin Luther King. They never addressed the fundamental issues, which was infrastructure in the inner cities. That never got done. They distracted it to don't use the N word, right? Let's have affirmative action, which pit blacks against whites. So I wanna, you know, really compel people to think, people say, well, you know, why are you attacking Gandhi? Why are you attacking Robert Kennedy? They're nice people. Uh, well, no, they are the people that people need to break away from. As long as you're connected to the not so obvious wings of any movement, we will end up at this, and it's gonna get yeah. worse. The reason we're yes, you know, so, yeah. so without uh, trying to disrespect anybody, I understand your point, and I want to rephrase it if if you allow. That I think the problem is that a lot of people suffer from saviorism. Mm -hmm. We are looking for a messiah. We are looking for a person that will save us instead of that we are that person. We need to save ourselves and the people around us, and that's that bottom-up movement that you're talking about. It cannot happen from an iconic figure that that iconic figure can at best be a spokesperson but if uh, he or she starts leading you come and uh, uh, even even if that uh, that person is uh, is idealistically uh, completely aligned with with the group his, uh, his successor will probably not be and that is your your being pulled back into the system yeah, I mean, there's two parts of it. One is a decentralized movement, okay? Um, where, uh, you know, what we're doing here is more of a, uh, you know, what we created with the Truth, Freedom and Health platform is to be a catalyst for it. But the other point I don't think should be underestimated is the secondary point, a primary point, is that the establishment actually fosters, creates a dialectic. They So on any issue, you take the medical freedom issue, they will make it pro-vax, anti-vax, okay? You take the pro, the GMO issue, pro-GMO, anti-GMO. So every issue gets created, and on the pro side, let's say there's the establishment, the anti side is a not so obvious establishment, which will always talk about issues that keep this dialectic going. They never offer a solution. So on the issue of medical freedom, it is not pro-vax or anti-vax. The real fundamental issue is you have to build the immune system. And for 15 years of doing this, that issue has never been actually promoted or spoken about. It's never been about that. It's been about the pro-vax, anti-vax, and these groups will build their donations, their funding to perpetuate that. That's what I'm talking about. They want to keep the dialectic versus going to the solution. I mean, the fundamental issue here is when you look at the body as an immune system, from a scientific perspective, it is a resilient system. It's gone through billions of years of evolution, if you believe in evolution, or even if you don't believe it and you believe it in, you know, natural design, whatever you want to follow, the, the, the body has been created in a way to be able to sustain stress inoculation and through that stress inoculation get stronger. And that is a fundamental principle. So when, you know, three years ago, you know, I've been involved in the health thing for a long time since I was a kid, but when I got into this medical freedom stuff, I noticed that it was a pro and anti, pro and anti, right? 
and 15 years, these guys lose wherever they go. We're losing more and more freedoms. And so I did a series of videos while I'm saying we need to go beyond this. The real yes. issue is focusing on the immune system. And in 2019, the National Science Foundation had me give a talk on the entire uh, immune system. It was one of their prestige lectures, which was important because it wasn't something, a fringe topic. And 200 engineers and scientists attended that. And I said, look, the immune system is not simply the adaptive and the innate. We have the interferon system, we have the microbiome. It's a very complex system. So simply focusing on antibodies to be upregulated as a measure of immunity is not the foundation of the immune system, right? Now, yes. these people in the pro and anti camps had never talked about that, nothing. It's always big pharma is gonna hurt us and, and big pharma saying these people, right? Big pharma calling these people anti-vaxxers and these people calling these people big pharma. You see what I'm saying? And then they write some books and they create the dialectic. So there is a fundamental issue here. The pro versus anti model perpetuates a money. You have to follow the money. People are making yep. money off this stuff and they never want to solve the real issue because they want to control it. It's valuable for them to have the pro and anti dialectic because then they can create the entertainment model. This is, that's what I'm saying. It, it goes beyond the iconic figure issue. It, yes, we need to, but this is a deliberate thing to always make things pro and anti because it, it never goes at the, at the solution. It's, it's the, the, the typical divide and conquer. It's the, the, the weapons dealer uh, selling to both uh, right. the, the parties of the conflict. It, it is uh, a game as old as the Romans and probably much older. Yeah, so on the medical freedom issue, you'll notice that they will always do pro and anti-vax. They will never ever cover, have a discourse about the immune system, never ever have a discourse about the importance of vitamin D, right? That comes much later. And in fact, what's also interesting is in March of 2020, you'll remember that that's when this issue hit. I think uh, there were a few people like myself who said, look, th this is a complete uh, thing aimed to suppress this. I mean, any, any scientist, any real immunologist could see this, but it was a year later, suddenly these doctors start coming out and talking. And many of those doctors are now leading organizations, which is creating that pro versus anti dialectic again. It's an, these are establishment created organizations that people need to be yeah. aware of. They always Absolutely. remove stuff away. So Absolutely. it's a very, very important and dialectic. It's difficult to, yeah. to not get drawn into this pro and con arguments. It's constantly finding what we call the third way or parallel society. Do not go into the two obvious reactions. One is submission. The other one is uh, reaction or rebellion. And, and what we really stand for with our movement uh, is to uh, ignore and, and go your own way, start living again. Um, power is only there where people think it is. And the, the moment that we do not listen, and that, I, I'm sorry, but uh, in that sense, Gandhi, you can say what in, about him what you like, but uh, I look at uh, what the movement stood for. And uh, the non-violent, non-cooperation, that, that is a very powerful tool to break this, uh, this, this pro-con uh, dialectic, as you said. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a longer discussion, but Gandhi was part of the elite and he perpetuated corruption. He was a racist. He was a casteist. So uh, I think the important thing to understand is there are people who will take 
the armor of some good system. Okay. In fact, that's what the not so obvious established. This is what the not so obvious establishment is very clever at using poetry at using good words. Celebrities do it, right? They'll take up a cause. I'm fighting cancer. I'm fighting this. No, you're not. Your, your, your career is down the tubes. You're trying to recreate yourself. So you take on these causes. Words are easy. Willem. you know, Gandhi was a racist in South Africa. He didn't help the, the dark people. So yeah, anyone can come up with a speech. I have a dream. Okay. Anyone can say these things. Anyone can say tactically support these. So this is where the wisdom needs to grow in, in movements because the wisdom needs to grow back to people and recognize that people will use good deeds even for this fundamental process of distracting a movement. And that word actions speak far louder than words. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the situation in India today, what you're witnessing right now can be you can trace that all the way back to 1947 and what did not occur. What India should have had was a good revolution. Who was someone to dictate whether it should be violent or nonviolent? Who was someone to dictate that? America had a good, quote unquote, revolution. No one dictated that. You have the imposition from top down telling people, I'm not for violence or nonviolence. That's not the point. The point is, who is one man who's connected to the British telling people to get there? There was a lot of violence. People were bashed up with clubs and you know, people were hanged. But when you said we want to go defend ourselves, no, that's violent. So we need to get clear on history. Okay. Because if we have false sense of Gandhi and history and the Kennedys, et cetera, I'm telling you, people are going to be misled again. It cannot be, you know, being diplomatic. What Gandhi did to India and many of the young people know this is the reason India had 80 years of corruption. The white men with crowns left and India kept having brown men with white hats. The British created an infrastructure and Gandhi handed power from one elite to another elite. He didn't do jack, okay? In fact, he perpetuated the theory that if you put a white robe and you talk slowly and you meditate and you eat some goat cheese and you, you know, move it, you know, that you're, these are very, very powerful symbols that were used on people, manipulated on people. The condition of black people in the United States right now, Willem, if you actually look at it, the average black person's illiter male illiteracy rate is worse today than it was before civil rights. Yeah, you can have an I have a dream speech and, and give you know Martin Luther King a statue, but you know what? That may make people feel good, but it's all bullshit. At the end of the day, the actual solution of inner city infrastructure was never addressed. And what we've done is created whites against blacks. That's what's happened. So, and there was a movement of whites and working people in the 60s, which was rising up for real civil rights. Thank you to Bobby Kennedy, it was distracted. And they put in a leader, and, and it's always done in a very good way. You know, statues are built, good poems come out, and blah, 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 make people feel good. It's like giving people some aspirin or heroin to make them calm down. But this is what, we're gonna go head into greater fascism if we don't get this point clear. That's why I'm pounding away on it. That's why I will not be compromising on it to make people feel good, okay? People like Robert Kennedy Jr. have fucked up the entire medical freedom movement. People like Gandhi fucked up the civil rights movement. The, the reason India, when, when my parents left there, it had a caste system was because of him. And people need, and it doesn't matter what the history books say. They, these people were put in power because there was bottoms up movements building and the elites, you know, put icing on the cake, right? Frosting on it to make people feel good. 
Feel good is where we get here. We're on, we have the worst conditions in the world today. Three major companies control our information. We have to watch everything we say here, right? Think about it. Think about what's happened to this world. It happened because of the not so obvious establishment. Absolutely, so let's go to actions because you filed a lawsuit and that was about the elections. We do something similar in Holland. Excellent. Fill us in. What, what is the, the case exactly about? It is in Boston or Massachusetts? Yeah, so, so, few cases. Sorry. yeah so, so um, um, I think you and I spoke earlier, I think to everyone listening, you know, whether you go to America or whether you go to Holland, um, Willem also ran for office and they do at the precincts you do, you know, th there's a voting process, right? That takes place. Well, I ran for a federal office, U.S. Senate. There's 100 senators in the United States Senate. I was running in the U.S. Senate race in the primary race here. This is what the real sin is, right? 3,000 volunteers came out to support our campaign, working people all over the state. 10,000 lawn signs, as I've talked about, 20,000 bumpers. These are the reason I give those numbers. It shows the growth of our movement. You couldn't go throughout Massachusetts without everyone knowing who Dr. Shiva was. The Republican establishment went and found another candidate, okay, who was an idiot. No one even knew about him, no campaign, nothing. So on, on the primary election night, we knew we'd won on a landslide. I mean, not just little, but on a landslide. That's what the word was on the street. Well, in the only county that I win is a hand-counted county where they do predominantly hand-counted ballots called Franklin County. I win by 10 points. In every other county, I'm losing by 20 points, 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, where they use predominantly electronic voting machines. So my journey as, as a scientist, as an engineer, as someone who builds systems, built the first email system, computer systems, et cetera, that led me to find out on these electronic voting machines, there is a feature that they have where you can multiply people's votes by a number, okay? You can, it's a factoring. So if you got a thousand votes and I got a thousand votes and they want you to win, it's a literally a feature on the machines. It's not even, um, it's in the manual. Your votes can be weighted by two and mine's gonna be weighted by 0.5, okay? So I get 500 votes, you get 2000 votes. It's a feature. It was a feature that was built for housing associations. You know, in an association based on square footage, how many votes someone would get. Well, there's no reason that feature needs to be in, an in a federal election voting machine. So it's not the software providers, wrong enemy. Okay, not so obvious established. And we'll talk about the software providers. They're not the enemy. The enemy is the Republican and Democrat parties who control the certification of these voting machines. They're the ones who certified them. So that means they have been controlling. That means they have the capability. In my election, we found out that my votes were multiplied by 0.666, okay? My opponents by 1.2. I did all the mathematical analysis. We filed it in the court. The opposition wanted to get it dismissed. They, they didn't even rebut my analysis. The judge denied their dismissal. Big victory. No press covered it, okay? And this was before the Trump stuff. I was doing the mathematical analysis. The second victory we had was we also exposed the fact that when, when ballots go through these electronic voting machines, you may want to check this also in Holland, they are supposed to create an image. They create an image of the ballot. The image is what is done by the AI analysis to figure out if you got a vote and I did by looking for those circles, okay? Well, you're supposed to preserve those images for 22 months, according to US federal law. We found out that the Massachusetts government had deleted them. In fact, they turned the feature off. So when 
I went on Twitter and I'd been between September to September 25th. I was using the word election fraud, election fraud. Twitter didn't do anything to me, nothing. But the day that I put up the email interactions with the secretary of state, exposing the fact that they are admitting that they deleted the ballot images, Willem, my tweet gets, not only does my tweet get taken down, but I get banned for three weeks in the middle of my federal election campaign. What turns out that we found out that the government had contacted Twitter. Let me repeat to that to everyone. Twitter didn't do it on their own. The government contacted Twitter. And how did we find that? One of the journalists who was doing a hit job on me saying, oh, ballot, ballots did not get deleted. Shiva's lying. No, I never said ballots. I said ballot images, idiot. Okay, right? Ballot images were deleted. But in that article, he was a blessing in disguise. He had talked to the Secretary of State and they told him, yeah, we contacted Twitter. So I knew I had a very important First Amendment case because Twitter gets away with what's called Section 230 immunity. They say that they're a private company. They have the right to voluntarily remove things. That's called the immunity that they is, got. Is this the same thing as a platform against publisher? Yes, plat yes. So the immunity says that they have the right you know, to voluntarily decide if someone's, let's say, saying something against kids or something violent, right? But it, but Section 230 immunity breaks down if if you were compelled to do that. That's what we had here. So I, no lawyer wanted to take it on, Willem. I'm not a lawyer. I had to file the lawsuits. I had to present myself as me against three lawyers. Four-hour hearing. Again, no press covered this. Okay? I win. The judge, first of all, gives us a hearing. All of Trump's stuff was thrown out of court, okay? Because he didn't want to win the quote-unquote election integrity thing. He was about raising money. Even though I voted for him, I supported him, I saw his behavior, I realized he was part of the not-so-obvious establishment. He was raising $300 million on this. That's what the NSOE does, okay? Our lawsuit, we went after it independently. We not only got a hearing, which was historic, the judge then gave us all, gave us a second victory. He gave us the terms of the restraining order and he told the state, you can no longer contact Twitter. What you, you know, and more than likely, he said, Dr. Shiva will probably prove in the larger case that state action was involved. This is historic. Now, after that, the judge asked me to also bring Twitter into the case. He wants Twitter dragged in. So he filed the motion for Twitter to be called in. Twitter just got their attorney, I think the number one attorney in the country, a guy called Patrick Carone, okay? So it's gonna be me, a non-attorney against, you know, a Harvard-trained attorney of 40 years uh, in the government, and he's saying, oh, Twitter, Twitter did it on their own. Well, it's bullshit, because we have testimony in court that the government is saying, yeah, we contacted Twitter. We have a trusted Twitter partnership. Everyone should understand this. Governments, probably in Holland, probably in the United States, what came out of our court cases was the first case to bring this out, the only case that the government has partnerships with Twitter. So when they call about a complaint, it gets escalated to a much higher level than if any Joe Schmo calls. What that means, it's racketeering. It's called no one knows where Twitter ends and where the government begins. In India, we know the government contacted Twitter when people were being you know, critical of the government in this whole, you know, issue what's going on in India right now, okay? So the bottom line that our case is bringing out, and by the way, both cases are joined. We have two cases now. One is exposing the fact that it's one, we don't have one person, one vote.
the voting machines can multiply votes. And the other case, which is a First Amendment case, has been connected under the same judge. All right. So these are big victories for people, but they will cover the failed lawsuits of Donald Trump. But they will not cover these victories. Tucker Carlson won't do it. The left won't do it. The right won't do it because this is the system's approach. I, I do want to play you a video, which we'll talk about this more. Uh, it's a short video. I think your audience will like it. But people need to understand that the mainstream media will never cover anything that goes beyond the pro versus anti. If I was in the Trump camp, they would call me a conspiracy theorist and cover that, right? If I was in the pro-vax camp, that would be covered, right? Or anti-vax camp. But they will not cover anything that goes out of their dialectic. That's why people need to let go of any illusions that they have that movements are not going to get built by uh, us relying on the establishment or their media. In fact, I think, you know, we have a big protest event coming up. We tell people we will not give interviews to the press. That's how we should treat the press. We do not give mainstream media any interviews because whatever you give them, it's just content that they will twist. So I say F them. You do not. It's, it's, it's a principled approach. You do not because they're the enemy. If they want to cover, let them cover. But no movement people should be giving any interviews to the press. Do not give them content, be it Tucker Carlson, be it CNN, whoever it is, because they're entertainers. They do not care about you. OK, and we don't need them. As long as we think we need them to get our eyeballs, that's when we will not do what's important, which is to go to your neighbors and talk to them face to face, give them literature and connect with them. That's what the media wants us to do. They want us to be like a baby keeping suckling on the titty all day. Right. And that's what they want us to do. They want us to suckle on them, suckle on their needs, their quote unquote misleaders and leaders left and right. You know, Kennedy's or Trump's Bernie's or Trump. Right. We need to build an independent movement. And this takes a big consciousness shift. It takes a shift to have courage. It takes a shift to get off your ass and say you have to fight for your rights. The reason we're here is because we outsourced our movements to a bunch of wealthy billionaires who live in Malibu and Mar-a-Lago and uh, Vermont or et cetera. It was our fault. And it's time that we wake the F up or we're headed into total fascism. Completely agree. Now, let's go to a second case, and that is in Arizona. A lot of people are getting their hopes up. How do you look at that case? Because we see that the ballots are being uh, recounted. Uh, we see the live footage, uh, UV lamps. Is this a theater or is this something real? Well, let's, 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 uh, it's, it's a good question. So let's talk about that. You know, in uh, September and October, we were the first to do the analysis on what occurred in Massachusetts. We And, and none of us got paid by the Will Willem, okay? When Arizona came, there's a, if you saw the video, the hearing that I gave, which went viral, which is where we showed that the impossibility of that we did. And myself, Phil Evans, Doug Applegate, no one paid us. Um, I, I want to give the context of all of this so people understand. When after November 3rd occurred, we were diligently continuing the mathematical analysis. And that's when I got a call from the White House, Mark Meadows. Because after I did the Michigan analysis, which went viral to, I think, 10 million people, then um, uh, we got a call from the White House. And they said, how can we help? I said, give me data. Okay. 
Then we got a call from the Republican National Committee. Okay, office, Rona McDaniels. And I said, how? I said, give me data. So they said, okay, Dr. Shiva, we're going to give you data right away because we could have blown everything up, Willem, because we had all the anal- analytic capabilities, okay? And we weren't charging them anything. Maybe we should have charged them something, then they would have. But anyway, nothing happened. Then Eric Trump reached out to me. So I have three different organizations reaching out to me. The White House, which is one organization, the Republican National Committee, and then the Trump Campaign Committee. None of them at the end of the day gave us any data, Willem. The reason they reached out to me was because we were building the real movement against election integrity. The Trump campaign's initial thing was voter fraud. When we started exposing Michigan, if you watch, they changed their email, donation emails to election fraud. They raised $300 million in eight weeks. We didn't see a penny. I don't think any any other, where did it go? It went to the RNC. So they used again, a real issue to raise money off of it, okay? So when Arizona occurred, I wasn't scheduled to be the speaker. Suddenly I I gave uh, a friend of mine who had the speaking spot, gave, gave it to me and that went viral. And then Trump retweeted me after three years because the Trumpers were saying, wait a minute, Dr. Shiva's going after the real issue. It's not mail-in ballots. It's not, you know, voter IDs. That's what the right uses, right? That's their shtick. The left uses voter suppression. But the real issue is that left and right have been approving voting machines that have the capability to have algorithms in there. That's the real issue because that issue will probably expose that maybe Trump was even selected, okay? And we can talk about that. The real issue is that the establishment can manipulate elections because they have the ability to weight races and both parties have been doing it. So what we were exposing was that and people of the Trump movement, at least half of them are saying, wait a minute, Dr. Shiva's going after the real issue. That's why the White House called me because I was not under their wing of fake election fraud. You see, they were fighting a fake issue. And this is what, so we were fighting the real issue. So they had to bring us, attempted to bring us under their umbrella. And this is a very, very subtle piece. So in Arizona, what you see going on, it was because of that analysis, Mark Fincham, you know, they got that. So so, uh, Phil is still keeping in touch with them. So what you have now is they're doing this ballot recount, which is a good thing. But as I understand, one of the guys running it, okay, uh, has been involved in this movement, quote unquote, election integrity movement from the Democrat side for a long time, okay? And that guy, I know him. When we asked him to give an affidavit in our case, he goes, no, 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 I can't do that. I may lose my funding sources. He was he's supposedly the election integrity expert of the time. So what I'm trying to say is establishment is very clever. We shouldn't be waiting on Arizona. Okay. We should, we should be building a movement. And this is what happens. The establishment always creates, they're like movie producers. They create, okay, let's today's show will be the Arizona hearings. Tomorrow's show will be the Arizona recount. Okay. And then we wait. So wait is, you know, delay is death as my grandmother used to say, okay? We have to build a bottoms up movement and we have to keep moving forward. Even if they give us a, a gain, we applaud it, but it doesn't mean we end it there. We don't outsource that to wait for the courts to do it. We keep building this bottoms up movement. So that's my, I mean, we shouldn't rely on it. I mean, look, my, I have a pretty decent court case, but we're not relying on it. We're still staying day and night. We, we're organizing people to show up on May 1. We're still building a bottoms up movement. We don't know which way a court case can go. You know, 
we're still dealing with the establishment's battlefield, but they cannot fight us if we build our own battlefield bottoms up. That's what needs to be done. So I can say, yeah, we got victories, but I don't want to give people false hope saying, oh, look, you know, everyone put all your eggs into Dr. Shiva's court case, right? That's what the not so obvious establishment does. It's a very clever thing. Give me money. I'm going to file a lawsuit. I need to raise a million bucks. You know, this guy O'Keefe is doing that right now. Look at, you know, the, the O'Keefe guy. Um, I forget his first name. Okay. You know, he's a guy who goes and wires people. He exposed CNN, right? But he never exposed Fox. Okay. So um, that's, that's what that, I mean. I mean, uh, it could be all managed, but it could also be that a lot of people uh, are very easily manipulated and controllable and therefore are, are useful idiots. Or both uh, is true. Both is true. Both is true. But there has been a deliberate over the last 50 years with the consolidation of power of big pharma, big education, all in the 70s. The elites have consolidated power to such an extent now that. Um, and, it, and it can now occur even faster with electronic means. The consolidation of power maybe, you know, in the old days, ward bosses used to own elections. You know, the bosses in, in, the, in the, well, now you don't need them. Technology can own them, okay? You don't need them. So technology has made even corruption far more efficient. So you have, a, you have the ability to move quicker. You have an educational system which does not teach people history. What I just shared with you, I would venture to say, if I asked, you know, we have about a thousand people on here or 500, 600 people on here live. If I asked how many people in the United States knew or in the world knew that May Day started in commemoration to four American workers who were hanged, I would say most people would not know that. So the American working class, if you think about it, is armed. They have the right to bear arms. First Amendment. It is probably the most powerful working class. So the establishment globally has wanted to chop off the nuts of the American working class. Because if they rise up, because America is the largest economy in the world, it has significant power still. If the American people rose up, it would probably be it would probably be a huge victory for all working people globally. So they must keep the American working people highly propagandized, highly distracted and entertained. That's why Hollywood exists. That's why celebrities exist. That's why the Kennedys exist. Every two years, they do something on the Kennedys, though they're the saviors, right? Or somebody, or Gandhi, right? India will do Gandhi. They've created a couple of distractions. So you say, oh, we that's how you build a movement. You be nice, and you be diplomatic, and you be nonviolent. I'm not saying violence or not, but they're, they bound the discourse. So I, I think the only way forward is to build a bottoms-up movement. It's the only way forward. And it has to be based well, on, on science. There is, you know, my journey, as you asked about it, went from India's becoming, uh, you know, a family which is a low caste untouchable, which is racism on steroids. The fact that my parents made it to the United States, as I've said over and over again, was one in 10 trillion. And the fact that I got all the education I did and the fact that I didn't forget where I came from, right, didn't sell out is probably another one in a trillion, right, with all the seduction that I had. And then the fact that, it brings me to this point to speak to you and with unequ unequivocation, I can tell you, and I know we have this talk, why we need to build a movement and why we need to be uncompromising and exposing the not so obvious establishment. They're the reason that change does not take place. People bowing down to think Martin Luther King or 
or or or, or the Kennedys or Gandhi is going to save them is the reason that the establishment creates them. They create these blunted heroes to keep people well, it, in their wing. It, it all boils down to the feeling of responsibility and yep. autonomy or self-determination. If we give that away, we deserve what, what kind of government we get. And that it, at the moment is, is not so bright. Yeah, I think you nailed it, man. I think you nailed it. It is, it, it's supposed to be a government by the people for the people, but people have had to be, they have to raise their consciousness. Even if you go look at the founders of the United States, they called it a enlightened citizenry. That's what they call it. I think those are the words that they use. So the goal is to raise people's consciousness. Um, you mind if I play you this video for your group? Sure. Do it. Do, okay. Let me. Uh, let me. Yeah. Let me. Let me bring it up here. So one of the things, obviously, I want to let everyone know about is, you know, we actually have a solution. We're not here to just uh, expose and critique, right? There is a solution. So people go to vashiva.com. Um, so what we did was, you know, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a technologist. So for years, I've built technology companies. We have our own data center, right? So on this site, I encourage everyone to go to. It's called Join Dr. Shiva. So we said, hey, let's. I just woke up about six months ago and I said, I, I, I've been doing building technology all my life. So we built a capability here. Um, and I'll play this video, but we people want to help us. They said, Shiva, we want to give you money. I said, look, I don't want to take your money unless you want to actually help yourself. Okay. So what we've done is I'll play you this video, but we've created a way people can support the movement. But they support the movement. Let me go to this where. They get educated. So we are anyone who, you know, donates, we give them 15 different gifts. Okay. And the gift of education. First, they get videos. They get a groundbreaking paper, which teaches them the fundamentals of system science. Then I do a three hour course every Monday night. I do, you know, it's not a video. Um, then we give people a book on, uh, on educating them on the science of systems. It, so they don't have to go to MIT. They get three other books. All we give them as a part of that. Then they get a tool which helps them understand that the same system science that you use to understand the uh, anything, you can use to understand your body as a system. It interconnects Eastern and Western medicine in a profound way. Then people get to understand how, how food is medicine. Then we have literally created in the underground, as I call it, our own equivalent of Facebook. And this is not something that we sell broadly, um, but it's for people to build our and, and a forum so people can now organize independently. Then we give people these cards. These cards are uh, tools that you can use to educate your neighbor. So in the front of the card is our branding and the back of it is on any one of these issues. Like what's the real issue with the masks? What's the real issue with the jab, right? What's the real issue with election integrity? It's like we don't have one person, one vote. So we have nearly probably a quarter of a million cards that people have printed out on their own and they go educate their neighbors, okay? So that's what we've done. And I'll play you this video. Let me play this. I think I have to stop the share. I have to share the sound one second. Um, let me share this right here. And while you're doing it here, I'll play it. Um, hold on. Let me just bring this up here. Yeah. So I'm going to also start it up here for the viewers here. I have to click it on the exact same time. One second. Uh, start it here. So to everyone listening here, I'm going to play Wilhelm, um, the video. And the video pretty much captures what I've been talking about, Wilhelm. But I think it'll be very valuable for you to share it with your audience in um, the Netherlands because it is basically, we're giving them infrastructure. Um, so wh whichever movement wants to use it, they have this infrastructure. So let me, uh, 
actually, oh, I can do it here. This is cool, one second. I think I can just do it from what I have with you. Oh, cool, okay. Let me just play it here. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within, and the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have you know this reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people there's only one movement that can do that and that is the movement that we started creating here messages the movement for truth freedom and like i've been a student of politics since i was a four-year-old kid studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We got to train people. First, with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis, into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work united. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communists. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, we don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people. They have to go local, to go local, to go local. Fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics. And there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not-so-obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment without... This solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done, and it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that screwed him up, his own quote-unquote people. 
And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it, anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I gotta build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor, A Shiva, VAShiva.com, so people can sign in if they access a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, and health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. Anyway, Willem, I hope that helped. That so that's so what we've done, Wilhelm, to be clear is, you know, I create solutions. When I was a kid, created the first email system, went through, engineering teaches you to not just, science may tell you to just observe something, engineering is about observing and then creating a, a solution. So it's a three-pronged approach. First, the, we've created essentially education, the, the establishment is not gonna give us these tools. So there's an educational environment, people can go in. I do it as a public service every Monday night. We have people from all over the world. We educate people on this fundamental, like, theoretical engineering science. As a scientist, you'll appreciate that. Second, that's not enough. That's just theory, right? Is that we built a community underground where people can talk whatever they want using our own tools, social media tools. So education, social media. And then the third is activism. It's not sufficient you learn and you sort of hang out and bark at each other or whatever, right? You have to go local. So those, uh, what I call media weapons we've created. So on any issue, we distill that issue down to a little card and people can go to their neighbors. We want people to communicate face to face with people. Um, that's the third part of it, because then people have to overcome their shyness. They have to overcome their own, you know, things that get in their way of going and talking to people versus it's easy to do it texting all people. So that's how we build a movement. So there could be other things, but we've created that environment. It's an infrastructure. It's great. Yeah, that's great. That's exactly what what we uh, have as a message as well. Oh, excellent. It's, it's, it's love, truth, and justice for acceptance, yeah. unity. So what, what we're trying to create is to um, restart, <laughs> uh, not reset, restart uh, a value-driven society. And that value-driven society can only start from within you. It cannot start from somebody you follow. Yeah. Well, you know, it, uh, systems theory tells us, so our goal is to educate people, build community and activate. And then the goal is to hit around 50,000 people. It's a calculation that comes from systems theory. So once you hit that number, we don't know what's going to evolve. We're not here to dictate it. But when you have an enlightened set of people learning those things, um, you move that resonant frequency of that system into another realm. I'm not here to predict or say what that should be. But if the, if the principles are built on the principles of truth, which is science and uh, 
the ability to have discourse, which is freedom, and then the ability to enable people to support their health. So founded in that is when you take a systems approach, we want to create these 50,000 truth, freedom, health warriors, which means educated people. And it, it doesn't matter what range they're from, but they have had a chance to at least have access to a knowledge which has been denied them. Look, the elites actually practice system science. Starting this in the 30s is when general systems theory came. I would say probably about 5,000 people in the world who belong to McKinsey, who belong to Davos, who belong to the World Bank, they know these principles. And using those principles is how they've been, got to the quote unquote great resets. This is how they create both wings of the party. They have a whole system that they have engineered. I know these guys, you know, uh, it is not, it is very deliberate and it's organized. So people always think that change just happens randomly. And Hollywood is very good at that. Oh, people got upset. Suddenly one woman starts getting up on the, you know, it, it isn't, it has to be organized. And the organization comes with education, uh, having infrastructure for community and then building activism. What emerges out of that? I don't think anyone can dictate, but with those three elements, you're essentially putting enough stuff into the, into the pot that the right or the reaction can take place right now. There's no reaction taking place or the reaction that will take place can easily be owned by the establishment using the not so obvious establishment. Great. Thanks a lot, Shiva, for this wonderful conversation. Uh, I feel that in the future we will have more. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, building these grassroots movements um, and educating people so that the awareness is raised because we can only liberate ourselves. There is no savior from this, uh, this fascism, as you call it. Yeah, yeah so that's what I'm saying. The right wing will call it socialism, Marxism. And the left wing will call it, you know, white supremacy on the other side, right? That's how they do it. But they won't call it fascism. Both parties are involved in fascism, left and right, to keep us entertained. Um, and just to let everyone know, Wilhelm is also a scientist. You were a pharmaceutical biological scientist, right, Wilhelm? Yeah. Yeah. Pharmaceutical yeah. So one of the interesting things we, we'll probably follow up is, you know, we're finishing up some research looking at you know, the spike proteins migration, if it can migrate, you know, from its place where it's uh, jabbed into to other places in the body. And I think this is one of the most important questions because the mRNA jab, right, is a new yeah. model of affecting, um, you know, using your body's machinery. But we, 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 we'll do a follow up on that. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you. Well, um, thank you very much. Be well. Thank you. Yep. All right, everyone. That was our our compatriots from uh, from uh, Holland. So they reached out to us because they've been very excited with our movement for truth, freedom, and health. Um, they're in the same resonance. But the biggest thing I wanted to hit on them was that I impressed on was no movement's going to grow unless we have enough people. Unless we have enough people, we don't need like millions, but I would say about 50,000 people really understanding the concept of the not so obvious establishment, uh, getting over a lot of their illusions. Uh, it is becoming really a warrior. That's the Truth, Freedom and Health Warrior training program that we've created. And it's not a, uh, it's, it's an interesting journey. Some people will get it, some people get it over time. But without that solid understanding, there's not going to be uh, any movement, I can guarantee you right now, because people will essentially be distracted by one wing of the establishment or the other. All right. 
Oh, someone said they're from Holland. Oh, okay, great to have you. Let me um, let me bring back the other uh, piece here. Let me uh, end this here uh, in case people want to. Okay, let me. Um, in the interest of uh, for the people on Instagram, let me just do this for everyone. One second, Instagram folks. I'm going to bring back the video here so you guys can watch it here. But uh, that's what I wanted to impress. And I think uh, uh, Wilhelm, uh, because he understands the reason why we need to build a bottoms up movement. I think he, he, uh, I think, I think it was a good conversation. I think he got it, but without this, this fundamental understanding, one second, everyone, let me just bring this up. There. Okay. Without that understanding of the importance exposed and not so obvious establishment, really not going to get anywhere. It's just going to be, we're thinking we're going to get somewhere, but we're not going to get anywhere. That's why um, the training that I do every Monday evenings, the platform, the infrastructure we've built, I hope everyone takes advantage of it. Go to vashiva.com slash join, um, become a member, become a warrior, become a supporter, but it's important we build this bottoms up movement, but it's not going to happen uh, without a deliberate understanding of the scientific principles. So anyway, thank you everyone. I'll be back later. Bye-bye.